0: No More Guns in the Valley, a review of Logan. Joey, there's no living with a the killing. There's no going back from one. Right or wrong, it's a brand. A brand sticks. There's no going back. Now you run on home to your mother and tell her, tell her everything's all right and that there aren't any more guns in the valley. Shane, 1953. So, uh, before I begin, obviously, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen this movie, stop what you're doing right now. Leave your baby in the tub and go see Logan. Uh, You've been warned. I want to begin with what I understand is a rather strong claim. James Mangold's Logan is not just the best superhero movie I've ever seen. It is. It's so good, it should by all rights, be the last superhero movie for at least a generation. Mangold's film is a merciless and near-perfect examination of a life lived by violence with consequences to both body and soul, but most importantly, it describes a generation that has outgrown superheroes. From its opening scene, Logan is a departure from expectation. Logan Awakened from a hangover in his limo, which he is currently leasing to drive for Uber. Nameless, nearly faceless Hispanic thugs are trying to steal his tires. A proving scene as old as the action movie itself. We, as the audience, know this scene. This is Wolverine. He's supposed to deftly, quippily dispatch them with a clever catchphrase. But instead, he loses throws his claws like a bar drunk armed with kitchen knives and survives only due to his failing healing factor and his anger. Helplessly tossing a tire iron after his escaping assailant's car. We, the audience, are made aware right away this is not a superhero movie we have ever seen before. The James Howlett of this film is weakened. He's a limping shade of his former superhero self. No longer Wolverine, but truly, as the title implies, Logan. Logan is a movie about what makes us strong turning against us. Logan's body fails him, is, in fact, killing him. A life of violence is manifested in a broken body full of scars. His claws, his strength, useless in a world that has defeated him without a battle. Meanwhile, his mentor Charles Xavier, the world's most powerful mutant, has lost control of his own mind. His ultimate power, the power to stop time, has turned into an unexpected ticking time bomb. The incident in Westchester hangs like a cloud over the film. The site, of course, is Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. We can guess that in the first of Charles's seizures, he has killed the last of his pupils, and it has taken his sanity. And his safety with it. Charles Xavier, who only ever wanted to protect mutant kind, proves its destruction. First time I heard about Wolverine, I was seven years old. My father's collection of comics had long ago been deemed too violent by my mother. But on the rare nights my father got home early enough to put me to bed, the X-Men were my bedtime stories. Before I ever saw the panels themselves, Wolverine loved and lost Jean Grey in my mind's eye. I clutched my knees and lay awake thinking about the Morlocks that might be underneath my bed. I witnessed the birth of the X-Men on film, from the excellent comic book loyal animated series to its clumsy teen reboot in X-Men Evolution to its even clunkier premiere on screen. Since then... We comic book fans have closely followed a variety of successes and failures. We watched Batman soar in Nolan's reboot, only to be horrified by the lessons it taught Hollywood and the Batman versus Supermans and Suicide Squads that those lessons yielded. And with each film, it has dawned on us more and more that the mold of the superhero appears to be broken. A tremendous number of our favorite comic heroes, the X-Men especially, were born of the Cold War. In their early years, stopping a Russian submarine was as common for the X-Men as stopping Magneto. They represented an American ideal against a villain we could point to. But the Cold War is over, and we turned out to be the villains in a twist ending worthy of any comic. We turned out to be the evil empire bombing children and spying on our own citizens like clumsily written villains. Like Logan, our philosophy of violence leaves us lacerated by ugly wounds healing too slowly. But Logan's message, I think, is one of hope. It's about the changing of the guard. The contrast between the aging Logan and the young Laura, exquisitely played by Daphne Keene, by the way, is the blood in the veins of the film, it's no coincidence that she is Hispanic, female, and a refugee. She succeeds where he fails. She delivers a eulogy for her fallen father figure where he is unable. She kills X-24, and all-too-on-the-nose version of Logan as Killing Machine, in my opinion, when he cannot. But more importantly, she is able to rise above her circumstance. In Logan's own last words... She is able to be more than what they made her. Laura, for us, serves as a witness to the glorious death of comic books in Logan. In the finale of the film, Logan injects himself with a healing serum, and it is through her eyes that we see him just once, and all too briefly, as the Wolverine. Slicing his way through opponents, heroic poetry in motion, the best at what he does one last time. And it is through Laura that Logan finds redemption, not as we expect as a violent rescuer, but in his final moments as a father, a creator rather than destroyer of life. And it is with this realization that Logan finds the happiness that Xavier so desperately implores him to understand earlier in the film. Logan is not a perfect movie by any means. It has lazy moments. It drags us through the reluctant hero trope all too slowly, but nevertheless, it is an important movie. Important enough that if I had my wish, it would be our last superhero film for a while. I don't want us to be able to distract ourselves with yet another too thinly spread X Men sequel, remake, reboot revamp. I childishly wish, instead, that we all had to live with the final image of the film for just a bit longer so that it could change us the way art is supposed to. Laura, the battle done, and her father buried, turns the homemade wooden cross on its side. And the cross becomes an X. Like the movie, a perfect and surprising monument to the last great X-Man. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please consider supporting the blog and the other work I do on slash Eli Bosnick. As of this recording, we're only 40 bucks away from two of these sweet mama jamas a month. This one is a freebie. I just loved Logan so much. I wanted to talk to you guys about it, and I hope you enjoyed this review. This month's release will be on YouTube, actually. It's a sketch I wrote and shot with my partners, No Illusion and Heath Enright, called Trolls in Real Life. I hope you guys like it. That's going to be on YouTube. Again, like I said, so if you haven't subscribed yet, do so. The channel is just Eli Bosnick. You search for it. I'm the first channel that comes up. And if you are a patron, stay tuned. I've included a special patron-only after essay called Two Audiences Just For You.